22 pages later with your hosts, The Cap, Mike the Finance Guy, and Ralph the Tech. The hype is over. The buildup has been huge. I hate using that word. <laughs> we've we've talked about this until nauseam, but finally it's upon us and we're grateful to be here. Welcome to the 100th episode of Meanwhile, 22 pages later. I was waiting for a yay, but no yay. Yay. Awesome. Oh, God. Fuck. I was waiting for the sound cue, but okay. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, for the past 100 episodes, I'm, I'm one of your hosts, The Cap, and here with me is the man for 100 episodes that's been the Daffy Duck to my Bugs Bunny, busting my balls and every waking opportunity, and I love him for it. MFG, Mike the Finance Guy. Oh, I never told anybody this, but a thousand years ago, I used to look up at the moon and dream about being an astronaut. I just didn't have the grades or the physical endurance. Plus, I throw up a lot, and nobody likes spending time with me. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. I know that one. Oh, you finally got 100 got episodes. One. Took one. I got one. It took 100 episodes, but I got one. <laughs> and alongside him is the man who's been the porky pig to my Bugs Bunny, always trying to keep the peace while maintaining the soundboard and audio, and I love him for that, too. RT Square, Rob the Tech. It, 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 that's all, folks. You know, I, I used to think I was indecisive, but now I'm not really sure. Well, that makes sense. I, just, I can't believe it. <laughs> okay. So today's episode is something very special. Obviously, with episode 100, we had to do something different and do it big. Uh, I remember us. You mean you'll be funny? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, chat a lot. <laughs> Kathy Chatty. Hang on. <laughs> we started off with a vision to talk about comic books and comic movies and all that stuff. But aside from our boy, John Paul Deshaun, we haven't really talked to any really fantastic creators that are out there in the comic world. Well, today is a little treat for you. Today, we'll be interviewing the artist Matt um, Triano and also catch up with him and see what he's doing, as well as the writer-artist team of Comfort and Adam. Um, but before we even get into all that stuff, guys, 100 episodes. How is that sitting on you guys right now? Uh, it's not too heavy. I could just like move it over a little bit. I'm just sitting on the chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, guys, I mean, 100 episodes. Did you even think we'd be able to tolerate each other for 100 episodes? Not for one. I didn't think I'd be able to tolerate you guys for one second. Yeah. But <laughs> I just, you know, channeled my inner Buddha and I was like. Yeah. And I'm, I'm amazed that I've been able to carry this show solely for 100 episodes. Oh, get off the fucking cross. We need the wood. <laughs> Your back must be hurting you, man. It's got welts. You guys have no idea. <laughs> Just with the cap alone. Oh, man. shush. That's a lot of weight. Shush. Not for nothing. It's quite the accomplishment. And, and I'll tell you one thing. I'm glad we went to the two-week format every week. Otherwise, the show would have died out by, by the first oh, yeah. year. You mean otherwise I would have killed you both? Yeah. You, you, first you talk about Zen, then you talk about killing people. Make up your fucking mind. Inconsistent. What? Haven't you heard of warrior Zen monks? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, neither have they. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, actually, to, to, um, to, it's kind of funny because we talk about the 100 episodes and a lot of our, um, a lot of our uh, former guests has sent a lot of love. So, actually, throughout the show, we're going to be sharing some of their messages and prove to you how some of these um, guests of ours can be real pricks. Actually, let's go to our first message. Wow. A hundred episodes. Who knew a cap schedule? Riley crying all the time. Mike talking about his age and beauty. And Ralph just explaining to us all that you would even reach a hundred episodes. Yo, congratulations, fellas. Maybe now I could actually get Mike's coffee at Ralph's dry cleaning. <laughs> nah, fuck you guys. Guess now I'm going to be banished to the cornfield with Kev. I hope to get at one point as many shoutouts as Johannes. Man, is he like the Matt Damon of your show? Yo, 
I love you guys, and I hope you keep doing enough shows to eventually love the DC Universe and for Cap to love Doctor Who. This is Joe the Intern, signing off. <laughs> You're an ass, Joe. An ass and where is my latte? <laughs> Where's my dry cleaner? Well, actually, just a little preview for, for the next... Where is the corn from that field? <laughs> Kev's still looking for it. What is he making? Empanadas? <laughs> He's making tortillas. Ah. It's not. It's empanadas, not empanadas. empanadas. There's, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. there's not a special little tilde over the end? Wait a second. You just gave me the greatest idea. A piñata... Filled with empanadas. Oh, empanadas. Yeah, oh. your porky pigness is coming out right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank thank you, Joe, for the shout out. I appreciate that. So now let's move on with the rest of the show. We'll throw some of the messages later on. Um, you know, it can't be long before Mike puts his two cents in, and for me, that's one cent too many. But here, Mike is to make sense, haha, of some re- recent rumors and updates. But he calls it the quick news. And now. The Quick News with Mike, the finance guy, and Ralph and Kat. Well, here's a question for all you nerds out there. Who would win in a battle between the king of the seven seas and your friendly neighborhood web slinger? It's going to happen. No. Damn. God, that would be horrible. Uh, Well, you hoes at home might find out sooner than you care. Warner Brothers, (laughs) the studio of shame and desperation, has reportedly moved its Aquaman film release date from October 5th, 2018 to December 21st, 2018. Wow. And if this fish story holds true, the monarch or the deep, uh, he will arrive in theaters the same day as Sony's animated Spider-Man movie. Oh. Yeah. Sony's doing an animated Spider-Man movie? Yeah. It was on the quick news. Yeah, ages ago. Straight to DVD? Uh, no, because it's going to be in the theaters the same day as the Aquaman movie. Are you sure? <laughs> the one thing I'll say about you, Ralph, for 100 episodes, at least you're consistent. <laughs> I am? Wait, we've been doing this 100 episodes? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you when you don't act, it comes out more genuine. <laughs> I'm an actor? Oh, I am an actor. Mike. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, don't know. I think that'd be interesting. Though. What do you think? Spider-Man versus Aquaman? I, I think because it's animated, it'll be different. I yeah. think the, 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 the live-action Aquaman's going to hold more weight. Oh, but I, one of those things, I refuse to... We're not talking about like a Pixar film. When it comes down to these movies that are really straight to video that they're now deciding to put in the theater, I will not pay... I'm sorry, Sony. I'm not going to pay to see a Spider-Man movie that you've animated because you know you're going to put it in, on DVD probably a week or two later. And then what makes it... Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, we got our friend Ralph the Pirate here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I was also going to say before you go to the next thing that... um, it, It's interesting because I would actually would have paid money... And then Killing Joke happened. And remember, we were going to pay money to watch that in movie theaters? No, I never was. <laughs> but that you, wasn't. You never were, Mike? No. I knew. I, 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 I'm going to look up my text. I could have sworn you were going to do I'm it. I'm pretty sure I wasn't because when they released Killing Joke in the theater, it was only a one day thing. And the very next day, they were releasing it on DVD. Yeah. And I'm like, that's. Guess, but, you know, I guess for the whole experience. But anyway, I mean, I, I don't see. Spi- I mean, Spider Man. If it was Spider Man, the actual live action movie, I'd be like, oh, but, of course. But Aquaman's going to win out oh, on yeah, that no, one. Aquaman yeah. will definitely take Unless it. Unless it sucks, then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> then they'll just be like, um, we just finished watching Aquaman. We want our money back. Um, do you want to go see Spider Man instead? Mm, okay, we'll do that. Exactly. <laughs> what else you got, Mike? Well, Warner Brothers, as well, has decided to swallow the red pill again. According to the reports, the Matrix reboot is in the works, but this time without any input from the Wachowski sisters' involvement. Uh, Zach Penn, who did The Avengers and X-Men The Last Stand, is named as a possible screenwriter. Original Matrix star Keanu Reeves said he would happily return to the franchise if the Wachowskis wrote and directed future films, so with their absence, it is unclear whether or not Reeves will be in the relaunch. 
And as for the original producer, Joel Silver, he sold his stake in the film rights to Warner Brothers back in 2012 for $30 million. And Oof. they seem very leery about asking him to help out in any kind of way. Now, Warner Brothers has had teased the idea of bringing The Matrix to the small screen as a TV series, but decided it could make a vast branching franchise like Disney's Star Wars. So that's what they're going oh. for now. So they probably are going to have like a uh, like who was the guy who's the um, guy that teaches Neo? Um, Morpheus. Morpheus. Like, for instance, they're thinking like maybe a Morpheus spinoff, that kind of a thing. Like, so they want to try and do a whole universe now like Star Wars. Kind of expanding it. Yeah. Oh, I, hold on. You listen carefully. Listen carefully. That's Jamal coming. (laughs) 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 Shout out to Jamal. Thanks for the gifts, by the way. Fantastic. Loved it. Oh, now look who's in love with you there. You give him a gift and suddenly he's your best friend. He made me look bad real bad. If I show you the gift, (laughs) (laughs) he made me look really bad. And by the way, folks, folks, the cap looks really bad. (laughs) So this has got to be something else. Yeah, if you ever look at pictures, look at the reflection off Mike's forehead. You might be able to see me there. (laughs) But, um... Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, but more Warner Brothers. Speaking of winning ideas, Warner Brothers has also enlisted Adam Kazad, the writer of the commercial flop The Legend of Tarzan, to pen its planned Suicide Squad sequel. Mm. No director has been announced so far. Were we trying to press a button? No, no, I was just lowering the volume. Why are you pressing boo? (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I didn't think Suicide Squad would get a sequel. I thought they would just branch off and maybe just have Harlequin because she was the most interesting. Yeah, well, that, yeah. Um, what's his face? Uh, who directed this one or who wrote this one? Uh, David Ayers. Yeah, I think it was Ayers. He's yeah. he's going to be involved with her. Oh, okay. So uh, so so basically, somebody else, like you just said, is yeah. going to do. So, uh, well, it's not like he well, did a great job with this one. I'm like, well, but, hopefully but, you do better. I was like, but it's not like that. The, the guy who did um, Tarzan was great either. No. So I'm like, so we're getting somebody who did Tarzan, which was also a bad film, right? To do this, yeah, which is already a bad film. Yep. Wow, they're really lining them up, huh? Yep. What's their tagline going to be? Suicide Squad Two. Yep. There's a second one. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! You, Suicide you, Squad you. comes with Suicide Pill. <laughs> <laughs> Decide which one you want first. Ah, <laughs> uh, wait. There it is. Jamal's coming again because that was like a that was like a Matrix reference. Take the blue pill, take the red pill, <laughs> take the death pill. What else do you got, Mike? All right. Last but not least, in a display of pure swagger, writer director James Gunn has announced that there will be a third Guardians of the Galaxy film. Yeah. Yeah. In a, re- a recent interview, the 46 year old filmmaker said, "Quote: There will be a Guardians three. That's for sure. Marvel and I are trying to figure it out. Excuse me. I'm trying to figure out what I really want to do. That that's all it is." Uh, I got to figure out where I want to be, what I want to spend the next three years of my life doing. You know, I'm going to uh, to make other big movies. Is it the Guardians or something else? I'm just going to figure it out over the next couple of weeks. And quote, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is hitting theaters on May 5th. And if the third installment follows the same time frame, audiences could be treated to the third one in 2020. All right. Interesting. I mean, the, I mean, I like James Gunn, what he's done so far, but I'm very interested in what it's going to be now that he's going off the script. Because now, from, from what we've discussed Guardians is, is not going to be based on any books. Like the movies are not going to be based off books. They're writing. Probably not. Yeah, yeah that's what I heard. That they're writing something not off the top of their head, but they're not following source material. But that's going good. To, <laughs> but that's a good thing. Well, it, it could be a good thing. I just hope that you know they consult actual writers of the series and say, you know, have shit that actually works. You don't have some introduce something that's never been in the Marvel universe. Well, I think that, I mean, like, like we said, um, um, what's his name? Um, the, the Living Planets in it, and you know, you've got you've got characters that are already Eagle. what Ego. Thank Eagle. you. Um, so you have all you know some things that have already been brought in just for this movie. 
Now, I think you're right. Hopefully, they confer with other writers saying, hey, look, here's how this works yeah. with these characters and you know, make it better. Here's a little tangent. Oh, um, fuck. On the show uh, Hulk Agents of Smash. You still watch that? Yeah. Well, wow. it's, it's over now. Oh, thank God. I mean, like for good? Yes. Oh, thank you. There was an episode, though, where they met Eagle, the living planet. And um, I think I saw this one. One of the, the guys, the executioner from the Kree was like attacking Eagle. Right. Right. And at one point, Hulk actually takes control of of Eagle. And you see a huge uh, Hulk version of Eagle with arms actually coming out of the planet. Oh. And he's destroying the Kree ships. I oh. wish the audience could see the face <laughs> that I'm giving you now. And I'm not oh. saying that that's on you. I'm just mad that you're laughing, but I'm like, that's it horrible. It was funny to I'm watch. I'm mad that you used any part of your vision to watch that. I swear to God, I think you're, I, I think you're high half the time you watch these cartoons, bro. <laughs> what? That would explain a lot. I'm never <laughs> So wait, Mike, that's all your quick news? That is it. That's and, why it's called quick news. Yeah, this, this week. Uh, and no death. Well, yeah, there is a death, actually. It just happened today. <laughs> um, uh, the wonderful father of pop. Or oh, father of rock and roll, I should say. Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry has passed away. Right. What? He was born October 18th, 1926, and he died March 18th. I shouldn't have mentioned death. I was like, hopefully that would have passed. No. I, Chuck Berry was an icon, so. Yeah, you know. he was an icon. And Johnny I, I, be good. Yeah. Uh, I was going to mention it earlier, then I thought, oh, I'll just let it go. Maybe I'll bring it up in the next quick news. But no, and, I, I, I had to bring it up. Yeah, I did. And here's a death that did not occur, even though it hit all over the internet. Was, what? Uh, Mr. Bean himself, Rowan Atkinson, was said to have died yesterday, but he did not. Oh, okay. Is he yeah. okay? No, he's fine. I, no. I just, it, it was the internet. No. Yeah, it's just the internet. Damn, internet. They've declared me dead like 20 right. times already. <laughs> and I've tried 21. <laughs> I, I, was, I was waiting for Mike to chime in, of course. <laughs> so Mike's done with the quick news. Ralph, you have any quick news? Yes. What? Uh, now I and forever. Fell for I fell for it. I am the man. Just wanted people to know that. Oh, fuck. Ralph the tech. I will be here as long as you need me. That is all. You would oh, think, yeah. you would Ralph think for President with, 2020. You would think with such a thick beard, he wouldn't have to keep telling people he's a man. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I, well, I tried pulling my pants down, but I just keep getting arrested. I know plenty of women who have beards, but that's a whole other story and a whole other lifestyle. Not getting into that. For those who don't know what I'm talking about at home, check out Ultimate Lifestyles. <laughs> All right. So but, um, just to make this a little bit lighter, let's check out a couple more messages before we get to the meat of the show. M22 Universe, what up, what up? It's your boy, Big Cav. I want to congratulate the fellas on the 100th episode. Many, many laughs we've already shared and many more to come. And most of them are at Short Ivan's expense. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what else we got there? Wow. I hope, I hope Short Ivan was able to like, you know, get to his volume control to hear that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Snap. All right. Hipster Tom here. Damn, guys. 100 episodes. Who would have thought that was possible with the cap at the helm? Thank God for Mike and Ralph keeping the show interesting. But of course, we all know it's the guests that really make the show. Now nah, I'm just messing with you. Congratulations to some of the best guys I know. I hope you make it to another 100 episodes. But with the Caps memory and stuttering, I'm sure you'll have a hell of a time accomplishing that. Wow. <laughs> all I got to say to you, Tom, is if our show was as good as your acting saying, nah, I'm just playing. Our show would have been over like three years ago. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm reading off a card. What the fuck, bro? We have some, some genuineness to it. God. Hipster time, I just want to say, 
episode 69. <laughs> of course you'd say that. I'm just happy that, uh, you know, he, you know, voiced what everybody knows, which is that, you know, we carry the episode. Yeah. And by we, I mean me. And Ralph, Ralph luckily is able to put me on the air. <laughs> oh, wait, you hear that sound? That's Mike sucking his own dick. <laughs> we haven't heard that sound in a while, so, you know. Oh, even though every episode. Okay. <laughs> that's what he's doing. I thought he was just putting, like, a staff in his mouth. Oh, a staff in his mouth. <laughs> BBC. <laughs> it, it's weird without having our soundboard, even to our devices just to laugh. But fuck it. Hey, it makes it, makes it a little bit more of a different kind of a show. Yeah. All right, so um, without further ado, um, let's check out um, some of these interviews. We actually had the time to... Um, Talked to a couple of our friends in the comic book industry, and our first interview was with good friend of the show, Matt Triano. We've been trying to get Matt on for a while, but I don't want to take too much away from the interview. He's awesome. He is awesome. His artwork is awesome. He's a really cool guy. Yes. And, I, and even after the the, the, the interview, we talked. He's the for father like another, of my child. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured we start off with some kind of like you know, wow. people will now listen in closer. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Aaron, because Aaron's like, oh, but it's not me. <laughs> oh, no, no, she's, she's, she's the mother of your child. Exactly. Yeah, sorry, something like that. All right, without any further ado, let's get let's listen to the interview with the great Matriana. Cool, what's going on? It's interview time here on Meanwhile 22. And this interview, I say we've been trying to coordinate it since, like, I don't know, episode three. <laughs> okay. We're the very slow. Had, which, what episode is this, by the way? 100. 100. No way! Yeah. Yeah, I'm, man. Uh, I'm uh, honored, guys. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's Yo, cool. Man. Oh, yeah, way man, to go, Cap. Get you one for a while. <laughs> well, I saw, see, I saw the, uh, there was a thing on Twitter. I'm Matt, by the way. There was a thing on Twitter. Um... <laughs> way to go, Cap. <laughs> <laughs> Introducing. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm jumping the gun. Cap, take it away. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I kind of like the free flowing, but thank you, Mike, for kind of reeling me back in. God, I hate you. <laughs> so the guy that I was going to try to introduce today is a tremendously talented illustrator who's worked on such books as Batman, Lone Ranger, on Dynamite, and also The Devilers. He's currently wrapping up a few projects, a few projects to say the least, so he can actually come up for air and speak to us and let us know what he's up to. Friend of the podcast, and as stated earlier, an awesome artist. Please give a warm Meanwhile 22 welcome to Matt Triano. Yeah. Now, there you go, Matt. Fire away, bro. That, just as, as an aside, I, I drew about five pages of Batman in 2009. So I would more not claim to be a Batman artist <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Hey, was, it, was, it, was, it, was it published? It was definitely published. Yeah, that was, my first, that was my first published work. Actually. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah for, uh, for DC. Well, my first published. It was a Halloween issue, wasn't it? Comics, yeah, it was, the, uh, it was a Halloween, uh, like an like anthology. Right. Uh -huh. So okay, that's cool. maybe there were... I, I remember it was thick, so maybe there were ten stories in it, and they were like five day pages each. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember doing a really poor job on it, and it's not surprising <laughs> that they didn't ask me back. <laughs> not surprising at the least. Now, was that your first um, professional out of school job? Yeah, yeah, that was. Oh the, wow! Because I graduated SVA in May of '09, mm -hmm. and then I got that. Like, actually, I think if memory serves. It was six pages, and either it was the sixth page was it was a splash page that was either cut for like in favor of an an ad 
there instead of oh, the page nice. <laughs> or it was cut because the page was so bad and they didn't want to tell me like i don't know which one it was i, I doubt that both i doubt that i've seen your work your work is fantastic and you i mean obviously like i said in in the intro you've been doing a lot of stuff lately it was just been hard to catch you i mean could you know, know what you've been doing yeah man sure I, i've been for the past like year and a half i've been working on um Primarily uh, a graphic novella that's uh, creator-owned and part between myself uh, doing the pencils, inks, and colors. Uh, now, it's only 65 pages. It's called Exalt. It's written by Andy Schmidt. It's really his brainchild. Um, and it's co-written by Paul Aller, who's a, an IDW okay. writer of uh, some renown, as, as I understand it. And um, it's... a uh, Again, it's it's only sixty five pages, but it's it's fairly dense. There's you know like eight <laughs> to ten panels on a, a page. And oh wow, that's a little different. And I'm I'm painting it as well. So oh my God. you're actually painting? Yeah, yeah. It's the first project that I'm. Oh, which color? Acrylics, watercolor. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, uh, I shouldn't say this, but I sent Cap a couple of pages that he should have shared with you. Um, just as I did. Like, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, he didn't. I got him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you, Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, Cap. Well, for for anybody who saw them, um, you know, that's a it's a project that means a lot to me and um it's something that I feel like is kind of a a turned corner in my career, so to speak. It's a thing that I, I'm looking forward for people to, to see because it's I've been able to control not just the, I'm going to sound like a Marxist now, the means of production. <laughs> uh, I've been able to control not just the means of production, but also uh, the look at the lettering and the, the scope of the pages to a certain extent, the, uh, excuse me, the uh, dimensions rather. Oh, and wow. um, so it's, it's a book that, that I think for, for better or worse, I've learned a lot on and it'll, it's sort of a, a look that I'll, I'll be carrying forward in other stuff. Whereas like not to knock any of the, the previous work I'd, I've done, but a lot of that stuff, once it was out of my hands, whether it was colored well or colored not so well or lettered well or lettered not so well, yeah. or whether the cover was me or not. And usually it wasn't. Um, and in the, in the independent market, that's not weird. Like okay. for yeah. Zenoscope or dynamite, you generally, you're not offered your own covers which oh, is really? like yeah it's really fucking wow. stupid but for devil is but if you want me breaking off but for devil is you did the covers mm. right no that's jock was it yeah that was jock oh i thought some of it kind of reminded me of your artwork or maybe i just wasn't paying attention to the covers as much as i was the interior uh, well i mean i i appreciate the the sentiment of the latter but um <laughs> yeah no I, I, I wasn't even like it wasn't like i said no because i would have done the covers myself right. Um, right. but frankly, I was all over the place with schedule that, that book, um, my dad had a weird health scare that year and oh, wow. some other stuff happened. And so there was a delay in the book, but okay. anyway, it, it's not important, but, um, no, I, I, the covers I thought were fucking really good though. Yeah. Yeah. They were uh, really expressive. And I just took a look at a couple of them the other day. I was organizing a portfolio and I, I was looking at the issues of the devilers and I thought, he did a, a tremendous job that I wasn't really able to appreciate at the time for whatever reason. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe because I wasn't yet coloring myself because all sure. the covers of the devilers, um, 
they were unique in that they were monochromatic. It was all like fire colors, yellow, orange, red. So it was just that and black. And Jock is so expressive with his his inks and and these kind of chunky slashing lines. But then Mm -hmm. the color was also like uh, translucently sort of over the lines in a way that I think at the time I thought was... At the time, it struck me as weird, but now I kind of wish he could teach me how to do that. But he lives in England. <laughs> I was actually just about to ask you, um, so that when that happens, do you often get to meet whoever's doing the covers? Or, or is that one of those things where the publisher just says, okay, so-and-so do the covers and blah, blah, blah is doing the interiors? Uh, I feel like with bigger publishers, there's a bit more communication in that regard. But like at Dynamite... Um, yeah, I, I, not to slag them off. I, I had a fairly good working relationship with them, I think, but I wasn't like privy to that stuff. Nobody asked oh, okay. me what I thought. Mm, so okay. by the time, you know, by the time I think I started drawing the first issue, and there was some miscommunication on when we were starting. So I I got the script, but I didn't know that the project was actually beginning because nobody gave me a deadline. And then <laughs> uh, it was very strange. Uh, I think it was just a, a weird miscommunication. But in, in any event, I, I got halfway through the first issue before I thought to ask, like, oh, what's the front of the book going to look like? And they're like, oh, Jock's already, you know, he's do- already done covers up to five or something. Like, oh, wow. You're like, it's not you. It's not oh, you. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, you know, it's not you. It's me. Like, they're just like, get out of here. You know, I mean, they, you know, it wasn't even on the table. And I, I think uh, partially the schedule, but also smaller companies like to get more famous like i'm not a big name by any stretch of the imagination but smaller companies like to get bigger name guys who do sort of broader superhero appeal uh, uh, work that that appeals to a broader superhero audience right they like to get those guys to do covers and they'll usually pay pretty well for those covers okay which doesn't necessarily reflect how much they're paying for interiors ah uh, yeah Oh, but it's, wow, it okay. just gives that impression because you, I think right. as, a, as, a, as the buyer, you say, oh, they got so-and-so on the cover, so mm. they must be spending a lot of money on this book or something along that line. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's yeah. a smart move on their part. It sucks for it's everybody exactly, else. But... Yeah, it just sucks for... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, like before we go on to any other questions, I just want to say that like, the work you did for the Lone Ranger for Dynamite, though, that was really good. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah I, I finally got to take a look at that. Yeah, that you, you had some sexy-ass horse drawing in there. Really good. <laughs> <Thanks, man>. Seriously. <laughs> right I, remember, I remember when you were experimenting with horses. Because yeah. for the whoa, audience, whoa, there, Matt, whoa, and I, whoa, whoa. Matt and I have no... Let's walk that back, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I want... Mike, Mike, use your other word. I remember when you were fucking around with horses. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. 25 to 27, I know what you're saying. <laughs> everybody, everybody had that year in the field. <laughs> Oh my God. No, but I do remember when uh, you were, you know, trying to get the horses down right and stuff like that. Because uh, Matt, Matt and I have known each other for too long, actually. I was yeah, trying to think how long it's been. Hey, uh, my entree into this podcast uh, is a precursor to the podcast itself. What are you doing? I'm smiling. Okay. <laughs> well, that was, wow, that was really awkward. And sad. What an asshole. For those listening it's a, it's a weird home, smile. It's okay. We have no it's visual context. We're on a Google Hangout thing with video, which pigs are not privy to. Uh, I, I don't know. Give them money, I guess. <laughs> you can use your imagination there, okay. The, the podcast on YouTube? I know that's like a thing that a lot of podcasts are starting to do now. And 
I mean, you guys are not that ugly. Like, no. Wow. Well, well, actually, it, I am by law. I'm too pretty for video, and that's, they're too ugly. That's fascinating. I thought you were gonna say something inane like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, you know very well, obviously. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike and I met in college, uh, so I think at the maybe you were recording, maybe you weren't. When uh, I, I graduated college in 2009, so 05 to 09, I went to the School of Visual Arts in New York, and I majored in cartooning, and that's the reason I went because it literally had a like a comic book degree. And uh, I studied under amazing teachers and, you know, who became like friends and I made incredible friends. And now people who are also working in comics, um, you might recognize some of their names. Nicole Varela, who just Ooh. did Wolverine 2 yeah. for Marvel. Uh, James Herron, who's doing uh, incredible work with uh, Dark Horse and uh, his creator-owned series, which oh, the name of which escapes me. Anyway, Mike and I have known each other since 2009, and we used to, we met at, at uh, Cosmic Comics right. on 23rd oh. and... It was basically wait, 20, 25th and... No, it's 23rd Third. and basically Madison, but Madison doesn't... Madison, right, right, right. Yeah. Which is now... Closed. Something, not, it something used to depressing, be like, a, like a baby gap. <laughs> or a nail <laughs> salon or something. It's really weird now. That, that's like, I just realized that I quoted, uh, uh, you've got mail. I didn't want because there's going to be somebody listening who recognized like just some version of that, and they're like, "What is this guy plagiarizing his whole repertoire?" <laughs> yes, Tom Hanks is one of our major oh, listeners. So yeah, I guess I'm just going to say, appreciate Tom Hanks on here, so it's all good. Tommy Hanks definitely the lead comic, and uh, I don't know. Um, what was there a question? <laughs> wow, <laughs> I, I think Kat better ask a question there. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that is that's funny because you answered my, one of my first questions I was going to ask was about. Oh, dope. All right. Well, cool. It was funny because you said you know that the difference between your other works and Exalt was the fact that it seems like you have a lot more um say in the end product and how it's going to look versus sending it off to Dynamite and just you know them making whatever alterations that they decide to do or whether yeah yeah with, your, right. with the consent or not. Yeah, but, that's exactly right. I, I, with Exalt, I'm yes. also working on uh, a project. So Exalt either is going to be published through um, the Comics Experience, which is which is Andy's uh, publishing company, okay. or um, we're going to shop it around. I don't really know quite right. yet. Uh, that's not really my area, so I can't talk too much about it. Oh, okay. But because um, you know, at the end of the day, it isn't really my story i'm not writing it so you know the the pitching of the thing would be inappropriate for me to do right because it because i i, I can only talk about my interpretation of the scripts my uh you know understanding and grasp of uh the, the, the thematic elements okay. that we're trying to go for but at the end of the day like once the page is done uh, it'll be lettered by Simon Bolin, and then you know if it comes out through Dark Horse, that would be amazing. But ultimately, it will, I hope, see print uh, by the end of the year. But maybe that's Great. maybe that's too maybe that's too soon. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but okay. anyway, yeah. Uh, to wrap that in maybe a little bow. Um, previous projects like Devilers for Dynamite, Lone Ranger for Dynamite, Sherlock Holmes was my first thing I did for Dynamite. Yes, I saw uh, that. That, that, I did that was beautiful. I love that. Thanks, man. You know what? I was looking at some of those pages the other day. Sherlock Holmes, The Liverpool Demon, written by uh, John Repian and Leah Moore, um, is a. I, I, 
at the time, you know, when you work on something, especially if it's more than like two issues, it's hard, at least for me, I, I, maybe I'm an idiot. It's hard for me to get a feel of like what's actually going on. Okay. So when the thing comes out, I have to like read it. And then I sort of see if it, what I did actually worked. But okay. when the pages are coming off the desk, it's like, it's, I'm far too close to it. And I think I'm seeing all the problems, like for sure, um, when the Devilers was being printed, I was disappointed, frankly. I, I don't think this, uh, this is uh, Tales Out of School, but I was disappointed by the colors, the interior colors. Mm-hmm. For Devilers? Yeah, because I had oh. done color guides for all the characters that were ignored. So it was weird. Like I was asked for color guides and then I turned again, this, now this is kind of tales out of school, but I don't have a problem telling it because it's, it's a weird thing uh, that kind of shouldn't have happened. And I don't know who dropped the ball. Maybe I wasn't persistent enough, you know, or maybe I don't, I don't know what happened, but I was like paid for designs that weren't used. So at the end, and if I hadn't been the person drawing the book, I'm sure that my character designs, the structural designs, the line art wouldn't have been used by the next artist either. Um, it's, it's a weird thing, you know, in independent comics, there's a lot, and independent, I mean, corporations that aren't as big as Marvel, basically. Right. Okay, which, okay. Is, which is funny because, you know, independent comics in the 80s, like what Fantagraphics reprints today, you know, I'm thinking of Love and Rockets, you know, 81, 82, oh, 83. Oh, man. Love and Rockets, I love it. You know, um, I mean, fucking brilliant. And also brilliant, you know, from an artistic perspective, like, it makes Mm -hmm. you want to quit because Jaime Hernandez, in in particular, is a hero of mine for his anatomy, for his his sense of uh, dynamism. His characters really live. Yes. And he's a fucking genius. And the the greatest thing about him to me is that he started, A, he was like 20 when he started doing Love and Rockets. Just made me feel like shit. Wow. Yeah, it makes me feel like shit. And B... And B, he was, it's in the 80s, the early 80s. There's no reference. There's no internet. Right. He's lucky if he could get a mail order catalog from Japan that has like a couple of angles of the same pose in it. Right. I mean, and that would be like a long shot. Yeah. That would be a pre, that that would come over with the first ship and Tezuka. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so, I mean, we're dealing with, uh, a, a hyper genius right and, and uh, you know i'm not one of those guys like i guess i'm good enough to know that i'm not a genius and that's disappointing <laughs> i have to tell you it really is because you see the guys who are geniuses and you're like that is an it's it there is a kind of like hyper hyper time there's like a weird like a fourth dimensional bleeding over or something you know for like certain guys like everything tanchi zanjik does makes me want to like Rip my dick off and jump out a window. Like he's just too good. <laughs> I know that feeling. Rip my you dick off and jump out the window. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That specifically. Okay? Like, I know exactly. <laughs> so, it's this is a good way to lead into my question of um, mm. when you were Perfect. developing your own drawing style. What artists did you look to to like help you get your own sure. into, into your own style? Um, what my biggest influences I would say in high school were now my my dad is i would be remiss uh not to mention that my dad is a fine artist he's a he's a yeah. painter 
and yeah. he's a he does a lot of native american things right that's right native americans wildlife wow. uh, yeah brilliant extraordinary expressive colors um yeah. I, I, and even though we don't do anything alike you know in terms of style uh, i think we use color similarly and i certainly get that from him uh his name is joe triano j-o-e-t-r-i-a-n-o.com uh check out his work he's uh, you know really it's really good i have looked at his page yeah um so you know i mean i learned from him at home and you know if you listen to rupert sheldrake i probably inherited some aspect of his his um acumen you know and and prowess with the thing via morphic resonance or something but regardless um you know that was that's formative and then in high school when i really started getting turned on to collecting comics um frank miller's sin city was huge for me dark knight returns i carried around when i was about 10 for like a whole summer and i i yeah i yeah i mean if 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 I, like I, I don't think I slept with it, but like if I could have, I really would have. <laughs> like, I, mean, I consume Dark Knight Returns, and I think a lot of really what I'm doing now is in an effort to capture some of the magic of what I felt when I read Dark Knight Returns. So okay. the reason why I paint comics with watercolors, I paint the line art, as opposed yeah. to like bo hampton or alex ross who's doing full paintings you know fully right. painted interiors i i have no interest in doing that partially because i'm lazy but also because that takes an extraordinary amount of skill and i that would take me it would take me a month to do a page if i did it like alex ross i'm not i'm just not fast enough yeah so that's because alex ross is one of those hyper geniuses who is like has always been a gifted painter and always will be so alex ross was actually a really big influence in high school of mine um, because I was going, well, this guy's, he's impossibly tight and it's dynamic. And he had a really bold design sensibility that I hadn't encountered before. Kingdom come fucking blew my skull apart. Oh, yeah. Well, it's an amazing book. It's amazing to read it and to look at it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, kingdom come gets me on the first page, by the way, the, the preface, because it's dedicated to Christopher Reeve, who is uh, my Superman and, and, and also my favorite character. Uh, but what was I saying? Oh, influence. <laughs> Frank Miller in high school, Sin City was a major influence. The, 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 I didn't realize that like you could do ink like that. It had never occurred to me that you could yes. hyper contrast. I've used the word hyper now about four times, so we're going to have to retire that. Because, Hyper's ooh, better than huge. Because, it's okay. Hyper's better than huge. Uh, so, uh, you know, that stuff really blew my mind and then in college i was lucky enough to my first uh storytelling teacher was klaus jansen um who is wow. the anchor of dark knight returns Talk about luck. Anchor. Yeah, uh, well that's the reason i went to sva i went to sva because i wanted to learn from klaus jansen walt simonson and david mazzucchelli all of which wow. i did eventually get to study with now walt only for a day he came to klaus's class for a day and I fucking held on to that day like grim death. But because it, you know, does he still have the restraining order against you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's in full effect. He, had, he was uh, kind of spellbinding. He had left SBA right before I got there. He left in 2004. So my my foundational uh, storytelling teacher was Klaus, and I had him for a year, and we became kind of they took on kind of a mentor protege relationship he uh, he definitely went above and beyond in 
teaching me, I think because I, I sort of followed him around. Like you couldn't do not, you know, I mean, there wasn't but so much room between us for most right. of that year because I just wanted to like, I wanted to absorb, I, I was still very much into the magic of comics. I still am, but it's difficult from a production standpoint when, you know, it's 4 a.m. for like the sixth night in, night in a row and you are not into the shit you're drawing for whatever right. reason. You know, it's always personal shit. It's never the, the story. Even if the story blows, even if it sucks, it's still, I mean, you're still drawing comics. You know, it's not like yeah. that bad. Right. It sucks, but it's not that bad. It's a really hard job, but it's also extremely rewarding. Regardless, um, influences. Sorry. Uh, so Frank was a huge influence. And then in college, so Klaus and then Phil Jimenez was my same year as my drawing uh, teacher. So he, we were doing life drawing and he was always emphasizing economy and gesture and all the things that he's brilliant at doing. Right. Uh, if I was half as good at, as Phil is at um, pushing anatomy and, and designing the page with a figure in mind, um, it would be far more of a calling card, I think, of mine than, than it is. Okay. Uh, and then uh, senior year, I was lucky enough to study with one of my absolute idols and probably my biggest Ralph, my biggest influence to date is David Mazzucchelli. Um, I was a huge fan of his work since high school. I, I read Batman Year One, and I sort of got it, sort of didn't. Um, at that time, I was, I was still very like Barry Windsor Smith kind of obsessed. So a lot of line art, a lot of hatching, a lot of like, oh, a lot of hand wringing. Um, and I, I cared about that shit for a long time. I still sort of draw a lot of lines on the page, but now. Um, I draw with Alex Toth next to me. Uh, okay. And every time I get lost in the weeds of drawing, I open Toth or, or I go on Twitter and I look at some like contemporary heroes and go like, oh, okay, it's not, it's not that hard. You just like do this. Right. You know, okay. uh, I forget who said it, but somebody once said, you know, once you know how to get good at something, you can kind of get good at anything. If you apply the same, same rigor and yeah. attention to it, you know, so like persistence. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, as a kid, I didn't have like a whole lot of friends and didn't have a whole lot of stuff to do. So um, I just drew all the time and I didn't realize I was sort of putting in Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours, yeah. which is right. to say, you know, to get good at something, you kind of have to put in like 10,000 hours or around about 20 years of like diligent kind of work on it. Right. And I think that's true of like anything, um, which is annoying. Right. Because once you know that, you go like, wait, so I have to spend if I want to get really good at like the violin, I have to spend like 20 years on that shit. Like, really? <laughs> I don't that know. Man. I like taking but I think once, I think once, I think once you once you immerse yourself in something, especially when you love it, even when you are annoyed by it, if you love it, mm. it doesn't feel like 20 years. It feels like, you know, a blink of an eye. And you're like, wow, I, where did I yeah. come from now? Like you said, you've worked for you know at least one of the big houses uh, before, and you work with minutes, right, yeah. yeah, and you work with the smaller uh, you know mom and pop type places in between and everything yeah. in between. Yeah. So, yeah. what is like the biggest? If I knew then what I know now, lesson have you learned? Sure, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, there's a couple of things like that come to mind. One is read your contract. Okay. Uh, that's a, that's like a fucking <laughs> no, pretty good. You know, a lot of people get very excited. You know, they're just like, oh my god, I got hired. So yeah, you know, very much I'm so. sure yeah. everything is great. You know? And I had that problem with one or two projects where I didn't okay. I didn't know things like uh, you're you never give up your original art. 
uh, no matter who's holding it hostage with a check. Uh, you never sign away your moral right to the work, which is to say your right to say that you did it. Okay. Um, accreditation notwithstanding, you have to be able to show the work. And there are some work for hire contracts. Work for hire is a thing that, I mean, you can hear Neil Adams rant about it all day long, and he's absolutely right. Uh, work for hire is basically a way, it was in the, it, uh, a, a way of hiring people that began basically in the mid 70s. So you could hire someone not to be your employee, so you didn't have to pay them health insurance, but you could still treat them like an employee, i.e., imposing deadlines and, you know, corresponding in, in these with contracts and things like that. Right. So it's a ba basically a way of exploiting workers who get to feel like they're getting something special by working from home. Okay. Otherwise, um, you know, you don't get anything from the freelance lifestyle. And I don't mean to be grim about it, but that's really, you know, I mean, the, it's it's like being an employee, but like they forgot you exist. Okay. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're, you know, you're like the stuff that people think of when they go like, oh, I should... I should grow up and get a job that has health insurance. Like there's no such right. thing as that in comics. Okay. Um, I, now that's not true. I, I should say if you're on, so one of the things that I know now that I didn't know, you know, maybe in 2009 was a, you don't need to draw as much. That's like good advice for anybody. Uh, I, honestly, like wow. I used to draw just overdraw. Uh, Klaus used to joke that I, I would leave a pound of lead on the page <laughs> uh, and it's and it kind of true like I, I look at some of the pages from college and I'm like what in the fuck was i doing i could have knocked off half days on all of these if i just known what not to draw but that's sort of a product of getting better but as a um what i wish i knew then rather than now versus now uh i think it comes down to having a mind for business is not a terrible thing. Okay. Um, Makes sense. I, you know, I started uh, in comics as an understanding. I started in comics kind of, I mean, I'm not a great businessman and I know that uh, in general, but I also, I don't think you have to be a great businessman. You just have to be, or a business person. You just have to be uh, aware that nobody's like looking out for you. So you do have to look out for yourself and right. getting legal counsel every once in a while. Um, certainly finding an accountant that makes sense of things because, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to write things off in a certain way, even if you don't make a lot of money, uh, even if you make no money, but then again, you don't really have to pay taxes at that point. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's things that I, I would have liked to know. But I guess to bottle the answer, I don't know that you can know them out of the gate. Like I can right. say them and someone, you know, you 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 10 years ago could have heard it, but it wouldn't have made sense to me necessarily. Right. right. Yeah, that right, makes sense. Okay. No, absolutely. All right. Um, actually, um, last question to kind of cap things off. Yeah. And I've, I've been really curious about this because it's funny that you talk about Frank Miller being um, a major influence among some of the other guys. Um, is that why you... Um, one of your first jobs was Batman because of the whole Frank Miller um, influence. And is he your favorite character, even though I'm looking at a Superman mug and a Superman crest in the back? <laughs> uh, oh, he's talking about on the video. Um, oh, he's got Christopher Reeves bones and, and somewhere in that closet, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I, I wish I did. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would sleep with some version of it, you know, like a little pouch. Like, uh, like the, the first, wheelchair? Damn. like the first book. This is not sounding weird at all. <laughs> no, no. I like the first book of 
first book of Sandman where that the girl oh yeah uh, has the pouch and she lays in bed like just like sprinkling oh, yeah. herself with it and like rotting like the, the oh, guy from Seven. Um, what was the question? <laughs> I, I get. I actually do. Um, because I got it from just you talking oh, about oh, you know Frank Miller. Frank Miller like, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, you know that wasn't. I think my style has always been. And I'm uh, this. I'm paraphrasing David Mazzucchelli when I say this. I think my style, and one of the reasons why he was always a big influence on me, um, and on some level, like on Sherlock Holmes, the Liverpool Demon, I was trying to be John Buscema inked by Tom Palmer in the '80s on the Avengers. I didn't pull it off, but that's what I was going for. <laughs> in the Lone Ranger, uh, which was the uh, and, and annual, so it was like a like a double issue, and it was 2013 or 14. I can't remember. Yeah, um, 13, I think. Okay, uh, yeah, but yeah, 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 you're right. Um, Shannon Eric Denton wrote that, uh, who's doing great things at Cartoon Network right now on the Justice League cartoon. Uh, he's writing that. He's also doing some some art. He's a production artist, actually a really good artist. Um, I don't know why he didn't draw it, but. Uh, on that project, the Lone Ranger, I was trying to do um, like a like an organic kind of halftone thing, similar to like fifties uh, EC comics. Again, okay. I didn't pull it off, but that's what I was going for. Uh, <laughs> the Devilers at different times, I was trying to do different things. The first issue, I thought the story was a lot more grounded than it ended up being. So I was going for this like hyper tight, hyper real like Stuart Amonin, New Avengers, but like cranked up on some kind of barbiturate uh, thing. And then that, that gave way to uh, a little bit more organic feeling thing. And, and I was sort of trying to be Mazzuc Kelly at the end there. And, and the first Batman thing in 2009, I was definitely trying to be Mazzuc Kelly. Uh, and failing. That dude, you, you can't touch him. <laughs> He's still a hero. He's still a hero of mine. But I think that that, so I, I said that to say this, my work has always been attuned to the mundane. That's the Mazza Kelly quote that I was uh, talking to about before. So yeah. he said that about his work at, uh, his opening work at Marvel and DC in the eighties, that something about his style lended itself to Daredevil, lended itself to Batman. Okay. I think even though my favorite character is Superman and I plan on writing and drawing a, a healthy Superman run at some point, um, whether they want me to or not, uh, <laughs> because I mean, that's, you kind of have to like point your bat to a certain extent, right. you know, you kind of have to like call a shot yeah. that doesn't necessarily like, there's a lot of guys ahead of me. In line. I'm glad you clarified that reference. Cause some of the guys who listen to this podcast might not know what pointing your uh, bat short, is. Yeah. That's a, that's a Babe Ruth reference. That's a baseball reference. And as a Yankee fan, um, I know that, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, you know, there was a game where, uh, everybody, it's controversial, but everybody says like he stepped up to plate and he just pointed his bat like I'm gonna hit right. it. And, hit, and, and then, I think that's a good point. I do when you use that metaphor about Babe Ruth and calling it a shot. Calling it a shot. you kind of yeah. have to do at times. You know, sometimes you have to point in that direction and go. You know, I'm gonna get this done no matter what. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Where, and yeah, wherever, me, wherever you are in life, even. Like right now, I'm also I'm starting to write. Um, what will be, I think, my first solo creator-owned series. Uh, oh. A series or, or a graphic novel, I'm not really sure. Uh, it's tentatively called Rama, and it's sort of a sci-fi time travel superhero thing. Oh, um, I'm and that's already. Influenced by um, 
like weird shit. Uh, Terrence McKenna lectures and and I mentioned Rupert Sheldrake I think earlier. I'm listening to a lot of um, Ram Dass and interesting uh, like trying to trying to piece a lot of weird ancient history things. Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock are doing amazing work on the end of the last ice age and like. I'm, there's a physicist who's like trying to contact his dead father who wants to invent time travel. It was fucking wow. fascinating to me. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but anyway, all, all these things are going into this thing called Rama that I'm starting to write. But, Fantastic. But I, I do really want to work on something with Superman. I want to. I have some ideas for the character that that I'd like to at least show people why he's my favorite superhero. Right. Like I want to just like yeah. like here's why. Like I just want to give you a book instead of talking your ear off for three hours about it and not knowing what the fuck I'm talking about yeah. anyway. Um, but the reason I got the DC project, I think, was just because my sensibilities at the time, my samples in college, I did like a Lone Ranger sample, oddly enough. Uh, I did, a, I think like there was like a wildlife sample. There was like a tortoise and hare thing. Anyway, I was very naturalistic. So Batman tends to, you know, editors tend to gravitate toward probably because of David's work on year one uh, since 1986, Batman artists tend to be a bit more grounded unless you're Kelly Jones. Okay. You know? um, Kelly Jones, who did all the wonderful uh, 90s, like vampire Batman stuff. Right. You guys remember? Yes. I, yes, he, he's yes, still doing Batman stuff. He's amazing. Yeah. Oh, Kelly Jones, of course, uh, from Sandman. Uh, right. Sandman fame. Brilliant work on that book he's been doing comics for like 35 years yeah. that's that's something actually to go back to uh i forget whose question it was about what i wish i knew right okay uh, yeah. i wish i knew that the people that you've heard of in comics have been doing it a lot longer than you think they have right like okay. i wish i'd known you know, when my friends and I would stand around and like bag on this creator, or that creator and go like, oh, what the fuck is he thinking? This fucking book, this looks like shit. Like, <laughs> keep, keep, and it's like pure adolescent, like obvious stuff. You know, it's Monday morning quarterback kind of thing. You know, everybody's right. mm -hmm. sitting at home going like, I could have caught that. Like, no, you couldn't, dude. Not in a million years. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but so, so the reality is like, and I'm paraphrasing Neil Adams here, that guy that you think sucks can outdraw you on a bad day when he's been drinking and it's raining and you've had, you know, 18 months to prepare to draw one little thing. The right. guy you think yeah. you're better than is so much better than you. And also has been doing the job for a lot longer than you've heard of him. So maybe mm -hmm. you've been doing it for 10 or 15 years before you knew his name. Right. And at that point you're, you're meeting a veteran and you're going, what? a lot of times people will seem to pop up out of nowhere. You ever notice that somebody it will go, oh, who's this guy? You know, and that guy, with very rare exception, has usually been doing it for a long time. Interesting. Either toiling in relative obscurity or putting out spurts of work so that maybe you missed it. You know, like right. if if like Mike, you stopped reading comics in the nineties, like Thank you probably God. missed. Yeah, but you probably <laughs> missed Grant Morrison and Howard Porter's JLA, which right. is probably and the I best. did. And he did. And that's yeah. probably the best JLA that's ever been written. Right. It's, that's what it's I've heard. so good. Yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, the Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. Come on. Like, I, I mean, there's so, there's so many things to, to highlight about and so many amazing ideas, you know, like the, the War of the Angels and like Superman wrestling Asmodel. 
fuck, that's good shit, man. Like you can, you can hear themes when you turn some of those pages. Right. Grant Morrison's a, a genius when it comes to staging and pacing. I would say he's a huge influence on me as well. Um, thematically and as a, as a, because I'm starting to write now as a writer, Grant Morrison is a huge influence on me. Um, oh, great and, and Neil Gaiman without question. Dude, I gotta tell you, Matt, you were super enthusiastic when it comes to talking about artwork and about yeah, your sure. work, about work in general, dude. Super guest, super artist. I want to oh. thank you along along with by the crew. You know, course, um, yeah. thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, thank you for finally being on the show, dude. Of course, I, I, uh, <laughs> I because I'm a listener as well. You know, I I like the show a lot. So uh, you know, you I guys know. will have conversations, and I'm I'm sitting here going like, like I I kind of wish maybe when I if I maybe if I come back, like, I kind of wish I would be sort of what I am when I listen, which is like, I'll just listen to you guys talking every once in a while and go like, no, 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 it was issue 225. We've had people that have actually just sat here while we're doing the recording. Like a little voice from nowhere. And you're like, who's Lord? What's happening? <laughs> here's, here's what you got to so do is just, Get online, hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter, and say, "Hey, you guys messed up." It was yeah. Like, call us. Well, I, you're inviting a world of shit. By the way, that's <laughs> what a terrible thing. Hey, trolls! Don't know the ways I've been wrong on this podcast. Oh, I'm I can handle myself. It's all right. I'm ready for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think you're even on Twitter. What are you talking about? <laughs> he he doesn't even know what IG means. He just thinks it's two letters in the alphabet. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's why it's not Mike the Tech Guy. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, once again, thank you very much. And hopefully you'll be on the show very, very soon. But glad you're able to grace us with episode 100. Thanks very much, guys. All right. All right thanks, Matt. Matt. Hey, Meanwhile 22 crew. This is Mr. Cooper, a.k.a. Mr. Only Been on the Show Twice, a.k.a. Mr. Spider-Man Sucks. Congratulations on your 100th episode. It's a big deal, man. I wish I was on more than two of them, but that's fine. But here's to 100 more. Congratulations. Wow. <laughs> so, wait, he was on more than two phone books? Oh, <laughs> snap. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I've, <laughs> thank you very much. We'll definitely get you on the show more. But if you keep definitely. talking about that, that um, Spider-Man hating shit, I don't know if we're going to necessarily feel like we have to have oh, him on the show. Oh, you know we have to have him on for Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. So no, you have, no, no, we have to. Oh, you have to have a different voice for. He, yeah. If he sees the Spider-Man movie, he's gonna have to give us his opinion of it. Exactly. So. If we can have to have him on that, we have to have him on for Turtles too, and watch his bias because he's biased as fuck. Who the hell's watching that? Movie? He loves Turtles. He says yeah. Turtles is better than but Spider-Man. We haven't watched the second one, and I have no intention of watching it. <laughs> did I see the second one? I don't even remember. And you're a Turtle fan, bro. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if I did. <laughs> Well, and in, other words, in other words, Mike, I mean, in other words, Mike, in other words, Ivan, we'll have you on the show sometime soon. Let's Definitely. check out one of the other messages we got going on. Hey, guys, it's Jazz. I uh, just want to say congratulations on making it to 100 episodes. Um, it's been a long journey. Uh, there's been lots of laughs, a uh, few cries, and definitely plenty of wildly sexual favors. Uh, but you made it. Congratulations. Um, I think this is a good place to end it. I'm so sorry to hear that you're retiring. But um, they're, not, they're not retiring, you fucking moron. Wait, they're not retiring? Okay, because look at the bus. Uh, so, okay, I didn't, I I, okay, okay, I didn't know. Okay, God. So, mirando, okay, right? come on. <laughs> <laughs> First off, Who's the girl? Because I know, I know. Actually, I know who it is. It's a coworker of his. But. Second of all, I want my underwear back. <laughs> wow. I, I guess he really does work in the in the kitchen, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but um, see, okay, see, I did it on my own. Tossing Caesar salad. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> damn. Okay. So let's Thanks, keep jazz. <laughs> Good looking out, jazz. So Thanks, jazz. Keep... And uh, contrary to all the rumors you have heard, no, we are not retiring. Thank you for clearing that up. Just I, I would have sure. totally glazed over that. Because yeah. nope. <laughs> he kind of just dropped that in there like a, like a turd in a punch bowl. Yeah. I, I mean, I know it's hard to believe, but I do have more opinions of things. So we're not going really? anywhere. Yeah, You so, have more opinions? I have opinions oh, of things. God. He has opinions about his opinions. That'd be, yeah, that'd, that'd be a show right there. <laughs> Mike's opinions about his opinions. <laughs> so when I said I said this, I really thought that you know that was really bad. All right, all right. So let's keep the good times rolling. So um, obviously, you know, Matt was a great interview. So we had a chance to speak with a couple of more um, creative people in the independent um, comic industry. So let's go to our interview with Comfort and Adam. Yeah, Comfort's her real name. Oh, yeah. And we are back with more. Meanwhile, 22 pages later, I'm, of course, the cap with Mike the Finance Guy and Rob the Tech riding shotgun. And... Currently, we're joined by some special guests. This indie team has made some noise in the comic book scene, most notably for their book, um, Rainbow in the Dark. If you think their work has stopped there, you would be sadly mistaken. Um, favorite of mine and definitely favorite of my wife's. Please give a meanwhile 22 pages welcome to the creative team of Comfort and Adam. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Nice to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but once to communicate with, with your mouth and not with a pen, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, we like to use these mouth holes of ours for, you know, bringing <laughs> wisdom to the rest of the world. There you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, um, for those of who are listening who don't know who Comfort and Adam are, um, you guys are a husband and wife um, comic book creating team, correct? Yes, we yes, are. We are. We are the two-headed hydra of comic books, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and we're putting a check off for the hydra reference. That's fantastic. <laughs> so hey, I think, wow. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, how the heck did you guys start working together? How did you even meet? Because it's hard enough to even have a relationship when working with each other, and especially something so intimate like um, working on a comic book. How did you guys meet? How did you guys get together? Oh, man. Uh, well, we met in college back when we were 19, and we both went to the same school, uh, Kendall and, College of Art and Design in yep. Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, when you're in an art school, you're constantly looking at each other's work. You know, we were we were giving each other advice and helping each other out. I didn't know crap for crap about painting and color stuff, and she was amazing at that but didn't do great drawing yet, and so we were helping each other build and grow a lot when we were very young. And so our styles literally melded together. So as our relationship grew, also our art grew and our storytelling grew as well. Yeah, we were already really wow. similar when we met because we liked all the same artists. We'd both been really influenced by, uh, especially like the cliffhanger guys, you know, Joe Matarera, Chris Pacello. Yes, um, I can see that. I can definitely see that in the mm -hmm. was huge. Um, we were We were headed the same direction when we started. Um, coming together we just focused that even more and when we first started getting like freelance illustration gigs it's a lot easier to meet deadlines when it's two people than when it's one person indeed ah. <laughs> i was about so. to say because lord knows lord knows that must be a very um i mean you guys sound like you guys make it work it just sounds so difficult to do because my wife and i can barely agree on um who's throwing <laughs> out the garbage first so to be able to say okay well i'm using this this color for this character and you guys are like very quick on the decisions that's pretty good. 
Yeah, well, yeah. it's not always easy. You know, there's there's times where we have differences. of. Opinion. Honestly, we never fight about the regular day-to-day -day stuff. What we fight about is, like, story. Like, art, not so much, but story. Stories. Like, that's yeah. a thing that every once in a while you hit a point where you're like, ah, just the two sides don't come together. But we found that finding the third option is really where the magic happens. Yeah, so even ah. when uh, ultimately, we are better together than we would be on our own. Yeah. We've been oh. together so long now that we may as well be one person it's at true. this point. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's kind of hard because sometimes, you know, pride comes into it when you talk about storytelling and you guys are sharing a book and sharing an idea. So, I mean, that must be really difficult. So I'm glad to see that you guys made it work. And I mean, if anybody's picked up their book, any of your books, you can see that the story works pretty well. Oh, yeah. oh definitely. Ah, oh, thank you, you guys. Too kind. <laughs> Ralphie? My question is, since you guys are uh, independent publishers, how did you come to the decision to publish your own books instead of trying to have someone else do it for you? You have to. You really have to now. That's something they don't tell you much, um, but there is an expectation. We started self-publishing in 2008, and we started doing it largely because um, <laughs> that's what they wanted to see. They wanted to see you producing a book and they wanted you to already have a fan base. They want you to already be famous before they'll touch you. Wow. Um, wow. The thing is, we found out that we could have success on our own without having to go through a publisher. Right. Well, the thing is, is you get to a point where you're like, oh, well, I'm making money and stuff on this. And to be honest, like uh, because we make the money uh, here in this household, there's a lot of other creators who have a spouse that does it for them. Uh, and they sort of make the comics funny on the side, but we have to survive on this. So, uh, you know, for instance, like, you know, for a lot of other companies, when you work for them and you do a run of 5,000 books, you're likely to get about 3,000 or so profit from that. And we did a run of Rainbow in the Dark, 2,000 copies, and our profit on that was $35,000. So wow. big My goodness. difference. Yeah. Now, you have to be able to sell the books. And, and you have to remember, you know, you're paying out for the books, too. Right. Our expenses can be enormous. Right. Uh, last year, we spent $20,000 just in printing. So we are really That's... a small print house. So you have yeah. to be ready for the expense. And you have to know by that time that you're doing large offset runs that you can sell the books because you don't want to just have a big basement full of books that never move. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, we were on print on demand for a lot of years before we were ready to make the jump. So you just, it's about being slow and careful and making smart business decisions. And remembering that even though our job happens to be writing pictures, writing stories and drawing pictures, it is running a small business. Our small business happens to be comics, which is awesome. Right. That is extremely <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I have a question here. Um, now, you're already talking about being a husband-wife team, so... Uh, that gives you a different synergy than most of uh, the writer-artist teams. Uh, but after witnessing works produced by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, uh, Chris Claremont and John Byrne, and uh, more recently with Scott Snyder and Greg Pulo, do you think today's comic book tales suffer, specifically those from the, the big houses, by not maintaining long-term writer-artist teams on a series? I think that can definitely be uh, hard because there is that synergy that's created where you get this team that's really good. They have a vision and they bring that vision forward in their stories. But when that's broken up into teeny tiny things 
that maybe last six issues, it's hard to build up that head of steam to make sure that m story that you're reading truly matters. It's hard as a reader yeah. too, you know? Yeah. Like, no, I agree. I yeah, I agree. Yeah, one of my favorite, uh, two of my favorite superhero stories of all time, uh, Invincible. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Right? yes. Thank you. Uh, and Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm. And it was uh, a yes. singular yes. writer's voice the entire series and one or two artists the entire time and, and one artist making up the bulk of the production. And you get a clarity of purpose. You get a, the opportunity to set up and establish story beats that you'll pick up 50 issues later. And you can't mm -hmm. do that any other way. Right. But it requires a level of confidence in the property requires a level of confidence in the creator, requires creators willing to stay with that property for a long time. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And it requires a publisher willing to risk creators becoming more popular than the properties. And that I think is the biggest reason you don't see a lot of that out of the big companies anymore is they don't want, they don't want you to read the book because of the writer artist team. They want you to read because you like Spider-Man or because you like Batman or whatever. Right. If, right. if the creators get bigger than the properties, you could risk starting another image thing where they can leave your company and take all their readers with them. And right. you don't love that. So right. it's all it's all self-serving, but the readers are the ones who suffer. I was just about to say, we suffer as the readers, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. Always. And it's funny, I remember first reading comic books, you know, just thinking that the flavor of the month writer and artist team for, you know, whatever, how long the arc was, and usually the short-term arc, I thought it was going to be a good thing. But now I've really seen that it's really hurt the storytelling mm -hmm. a lot more because it feels like it's not a chapter of a book. It's almost like when you have one team coming in, that's one chapter. And then when a new mm -hmm. team comes in, it's almost like, oh, well, fuck that book. Let's go with another book. Yep. It really yeah. can be. It, and, and the swing and distinction between how characters are handled from one creator to the next can be enormous. Um, that, that central core, the heart of the character can be lost when you trade hands that often. Mm -hmm. I, and that's why I think that it's important, you know, to have like uh, writer's rooms and stuff like that where everybody's sort of coming to agreement. So even if you are going to switch creative teams, like even for Uniques, which is the other uh, that's like our superhero series that we do, mm -hmm. at some point, because it's a longer story, we may have other artists come in and such, but we'll probably always do the layouts. For the book right. and okay. we'll probably always be doing the foreground characters and so trying yeah, to keep some, have some continuity yeah. right you know yeah so yeah. the vision that's stays the basically in the same hand yeah. yeah exactly yeah. yeah and as a reader i appreciate that i mean it's like, like we were saying when you look at some of the old books where teams did stay for a while it was just wonderful when you saw something that seemed unimportant in let's say issue five pop back up in issue exactly. 20 something but doesn't feel forced yeah. Yep. yeah. And then you start to realize, oh, this was the long, right, it was the long play, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we're planning Uniques for 100 issues, and we have things in the first couple issues that are going to come back in the final arcs. Oh. And because I we're know. the ones writing it, we can set that up. And because we're drawing so much of it, we settle into these characters. We really get to know them. We're going to let them grow up. They're teenagers now. By the end of the series, they'll be in their 50s. So, oh, fantastic. Wow. Yeah. That's, wow. That's exciting. I can't wait yeah. to Unique read that. Unique is sort of like Teen Titans if it was an HBO series. Exactly. <laughs> so that sort of gives you a sense of what it is. Yeah. So we're building these characters now, but we're planning, like, okay, how's this person going to look later? Like, can I give them a haircut now they'll be embarrassed by in 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> Well, what I like, what I really like with the team is that it's, 
Um, and I mean, I hope you enjoyed them back in the day so that I'm not offended you, but it reminds me again, um, going back to Claremont, when he wrote the X-Men early on uh, before the mm -hmm. appearance of and stuff like that, where yeah. we got information about the characters, not just, where's the next fight? Yeah. And I like that I'm seeing like, you know, this person, okay, the relationships are building this way. Is there romance? Is it not? Uh, this person doesn't like this person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I like that. Not just the next, you know, shoot them up. Yeah. Oh, and the, some of the best Claremont issues were the issues where the X-Men were just goofing off. Let's play baseball. Baseball. <laughs> X-Men baseball issues. Those yes. are great. <laughs> yes. Mike, Mike says that all the time. All the time we, we reference the X-Men and talk about Where they were going to town. Issues. They were just it wandering to town. That you wanted to try and really find the humanity of these characters, and I think when the the pendulum started swinging to quote unquote realistic comics or most, harsh comics, yeah, like mm -hmm. true, honest, this is what Grit. life is like. When for too many creators, when they talk about realistic comics, what they mean is everybody has a crappy day every day, and nobody ever smiles, and it's just bleak always, and everybody's an asshole. And, you know, secretly, no matter what they say on the service, they're all just jerks out for themselves. That's life. And that isn't life. You know, that's not the way things are. That's not being honest with, with characters. So we're trying to have a balance, to make it about these people as human beings who happen to be superheroes and right. make a story that's more about the relationships they have, the friendships they have. Everything that we read, I mean, all collectively in comics before, the things that we really liked and the things that we sort of wanted to build on without those breaks that you guys are talking about, you know, we're trying to pour that love into Uniques and then really into any other book, whether it be Rainbow the Dark, we've got a webcomic kitty game that we're yeah. doing right now that yes. we'll release at the end of the month. Yeah. So every book has that love of character, character that you want to keep coming back for and be like, yeah, I love these guys. I care about them. And what happens to them in the next issue is going to impact me emotionally. Because these are my friends. And that way, when you do the big action stuff, when you have the big fights, when you really tear them down and put them through the grinder on these things, it means more. It's impactful to you. If you try to jump to the big epic moments without setting up and establishing any connection between the audience and the characters, you wind up with stuff like Batman v Superman, where we've got a Batman nobody knows and a Superman right. nobody likes, and they're fighting for two hours and nobody gives a damn. Thank you. I've been saying that for a while. And nobody was listening. <laughs> hey, 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 I'm listening to you, but there's some other people we've had on the show that have yes, um, disagreed. So, you know, it's yeah. good to hear another voice say Intelligent minds can disagree, but there's objective level to see the thing and the subjective level. You can like stuff that's garbage. I like a lot of garbage. I love me some garbage. Well, but that doesn't mean the garbage is gold. It just means I like it. Right. Anyone, does that sound familiar to any of our podcast people out there? Finally, someone <laughs> understands me. That's what I say to them all the time. I say, like, if you like a movie or whatever it is that's garbage, I, I always say, I like this, but I know it's garbage. Right. You know, don't, I don't try to defend it. But, but when most people, they're just like, oh, I like it, so it's good. And it's like, no, it's not really good. You just happen to like it. I mean, by the same token, there's there's gold that I don't like. There's plenty of things that are objectively I can see. This is a yeah, really well produced. Structurally sound, you know, all the characters work, but it's just sometimes but it's just, it's not, just not your thing. I just don't like it. I can't help. It. That doesn't mean that it's garbage. It just means I don't like it. Exactly. Let me ask you this: going back to the uniques for a second. Um, 
it's funny because you know you made a comparison to the Teen Titans. Um, Mike made a comparison to the Claire um, to, to Claremont's X Men. I thought a little bit of uh, a mix of X Men and also Gen Thirteen during mm-hmm. the early oh, run. Gen Thirteen. Yeah, Gen Thirteen. <laughs> love that. Love that book. And it's funny that you placed that that the unique starts off in the '90s, so it's kind of yeah. ironic that that's, that's going on. But let me ask you this: What is it about the uniques to, for our audience that's different from some of the other teams that are around there in comic books now? I think it really is the emphasis on growth and change. You know, these are not characters who are going to stay the same for hundreds of issues. We're not more interested in selling underoos than telling stories. This, these people are going to change. They're going to be different by the end of this story. And, and it's, you know, not just that, uh, you know, it's a difference, but really we are doing a story in its third and final act. Yeah. So... Modern superhero comics, or really superhero comics in general, and you're talking about the big two that are sort of adhered to uh, being the owners of properties, not necessarily characters. And when you're the owner of a property, you can do a beginning, so you can always reboot the story. You can do a middle, but you can never do an end. And The Uniques is a story really about a world that's in its final third and ending act. Yeah, so that's that's where we start the yeah. book. <laughs> right. And Interesting. over the course of the series, we're going to watch what happens to these people, the choices they have to make and the consequences of those choices. And right. I think it's dealing with consequences in a, a way that is honest to character, that is not just about trying to create melodrama, but is about trying to really chart some trajectories and look at what are the likely outcomes of putting people in tough spots and making them right. have to try and make the best of no-win situations. Yep, and trying to end the story and end the world and put a nice bow on it so you can feel like, wow, I've really gone through yeah. an experience. And starting it in the 90s is an important thing for us because time is such a motif. Of the series. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Setting it in the 90s allows us to do uh, uh, several things. First off, we don't have to be locked to current events. Right. So if some horrible thing or tragedy thing, like we don't have to put Donald Trump in our comic. Yeah. We don't have to deal with that. We don't even have to ask ourselves the question of whether we deal with that because we're set back in the 90s. We create our own history. Uh, the second thing is we were teenagers in the 90s. So it's easier for us to write very authentic characters at that time. And the final thing is it allows us to get like a running start with this thing. So every issue starts with a timestamp on the book. So you know exactly how much time has passed from issue to issue. Right. And you can have a perspective on time to say, how would the world change if something crazy like superpowers came into society? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like of the fact that in the world that you created, superpowers are just like a normal kind of thing for everybody it's it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know that guy over there has tentacles that guy over there has scales you know it's just cool yeah yeah everybody wants to do a world that hates and fears them but we're much more interested in the next step you know right. what happens after you normalize after you've gone through the civil rights fight and people mostly just want to get on with their lives so right. now what's it like yeah well, I, have another que- I have a question for your characters and i'm putting you on the spot which one do you enjoy doing the most, whether it's drawing the most or writing the most? Mm-hmm. Come on, it's got to be one. Oh, <laughs> well, one of them uh, laughs like they had something. So really. Oh, man, well, I think I always, I, because I know where the story is going, I like writing Quake in the Uniques as a okay. character the most. If I was 
was asking who I like drawing the most, I probably like Raina from Rainbow in the Dark. And she's sort of she like a, of a punk rock jasmine from Latin. <laughs> yeah. It's super fun to draw. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the thing for you, Adam? Um, I would say my favorite character to write is probably I'm I'm torn between uh, Kid Quick and Singe in Unix. Okay. That's probably why we uh, had such a good time writing. Uh, it was issue six is just mostly the two of them having a team up, and it's yes. hilarious because she is just so like sweet and innocent and peppy and poppy and over the top. And he is such a surly little bastard. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Singe is like, he's that guy in your group of friends and he's an asshole, but like he's our asshole, you know? Exactly. <laughs> if he wasn't our friend, we'd hate him, but because he hangs out with us and he's just cool enough, you know, yes. um, that's that guy. He's, and it's really fun to write that guy. Do you have one that you Favorite like drawing? to draw? Um, I really like drawing telepath, okay. partly because uh, she's she, putting her in action is great. She's just got this real stocky, like tough build. We tried to when we were designing her, uh, we were thinking a lot about taking uh, if if Christina Hendricks was an MMA fighter, like. <laughs> And doing a, a telepathic, telekinetic character who is as much about like martial arts and close combat fighting. She's like, she's the physical equivalent of a shotgun. And yeah. visualizing <laughs> how you draw those kinds of action scenes is is a lot of fun for me. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Now transitioning from Uniques going to um, Rainbow in the Dark, I'll say this, because I mean, I love your work because I have two of your works on my wall at the house, but my wife is the one who got me into the book. She was like, you love their artwork? You'll love the book. Um, now, who's um, an, how did the idea of Rainbow in the Dark come together? Because it's funny how um, Comfort had said, well, you know, I was much better with colors. Was it initially your idea? Or was it just one of those things that you were kind of like just talking bullshit and it just came out of nowhere? <laughs> I don't remember who the first one was that said it, but this is the question that started Rainbow in the Dark was, what if we did something that's like Rainbow Bright meets Mad Max? <laughs> yes. And then later, sort of as we worked it out, we're like, and they're in a world that's pleasant filled by waves of matrix. It all just started <laughs> together. The, the color world versus the black and white world and uh these these wild characters in the middle of it all. And then nobody knows it's going on yeah. except for the one, you know, character and yeah. you know, all that stuff sort of tumbled. And once we had that general concept, that mishmash we started sort of building characters and stuff like that. And Rainbow, like, the characters, I think, are a lot more concepts. Like, each one of them sort of represents, like, a personality and yeah. a concept, in part because there's not a lot of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, whereas Uniques is a really long-form series. Rainbow's nine issues. Uh, granted, they're nine huge issues, but they're <laughs> just... Yeah, because so, we love our stories, but we hate ourselves. This is true. <laughs> When's more uniques coming out, though? Uh, there is more uniques coming out. Um, we are working on the seventh, or not the seventh issue, the eighth, eighth issue, issue right now. Right now. Uh, we had to take a, a small break because we had to finish our fancy website. And oh. being that we are not web designers, <laughs> web coders, right. learning all that stuff. But from it stretch, is that was... big and extensive. It's got all sort of extra stuff. Uh, you know, it goes through all the comics and it has all our information and stuff there. Whereas well, before we had... that website. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Comfortandadam.com. 
There you go. Yep. Nice and easy. Nice and yep. easy. And really, all our social media is always Comfort yeah. Anatomy. Do you want to know if we're where you so are? So are we on Pinterest? Comfort yes. Is there Comfort Anatomy? Yes, there is. Well, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have one last question before we close. Um, if you could, if, if out, of, out of the two books that we just talked about, because I know you guys are working on other things, but out of Uniques and out of Rainbow in the Dark, if a major um, studio came to you, a major movie studio came to you and said, hey, look, we really want that idea, and you'd be willing to part ways with it, which one would it be? Uh, Rainbow is the easier one yeah. that really makes up a, I think, movie trilogy. Yeah, Uniques yeah. is an ongoing like, TV series. Uniques like, is big, and it's complicated, and studios tend not to do well, well with Well, I would say things. right now but, the only place they could take on Uniques is something like HBO, but really you need to have more of that story out there. Lest, lest you run into a George R. R. Martin situation where you're trying to <laughs> keep up writing yeah. and you're also trying to do this over here and work with the show. It's that. So you really need to have the vast majority of it done before. So Rainbow is the thing that I think we could part and with. And we also really conceive yeah. it as kind of a, a movie trilogy. Like every three issues is its own Beginning, middle, like and end. Film right. arc. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it works right. well. It has such strong visuals in that series. It would be really awesome to see that translated. Right. Well, hopefully Spielberg is listening to our podcast and gets the hint. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Peter Jackson, how's it going? <laughs> Comfort and Adam, I, I, I can't tell you how much it is a pleasure to talk to you guys. Your work is fantastic. Um, I hope you guys continue to do such great work, and hopefully you'll be at the New York Comic Con sometime soon, maybe? We will. Oh, fantastic. All right. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, Comfort and Adam, please check out The Uniques when you get an opportunity, and Rainbow in the Dark. Also, ComfortandAdam.com to check out the rest of the things they got going on. Guys, thank you very much. Thank you, you are welcome much. so much. Thank you. Hey. This is Sean Paul Deshaun, creator of Sons of Fate. I want to give a shout-out to Cap, Mike the Finance Guy, and Rob the Technician on their 100th episode of 22 Pages Later. Congrats, guys. Looking for the next 100, the next 100 after that. From all until infinity, keep doing your thing. I'll be there to comment, argue, get along, tear up, and just keep doing what you're doing. You guys are true icons of pop culture. Wow, okay. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> Mr. Sons of Fate himself. Yeah. I, I like how he was just teasing Disney with a lawsuit. He was like, <laughs> and beyond. I'm like, to infinity and beyond? <laughs> they will be on his ass. Only you would have thought that. I didn't even think that. You know, you go saying it. I like the fact that JP thinks you're going to be doing this even after we die. <laughs> Hello, it's meanwhile 22 pages coming for you from the afterlife. Yeah. I'll still be alive. <laughs> Always. Yeah, sure. Yeah, black you're blackula, we know. <laughs> and I'm Ralph the technician. I was about to say he got all like I, like, I was like, Ralph he sounded so formal. Right? I was like, we we all know better than that. <laughs> if, if he's Ralph the technician, then I want to be Michael the finance guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm Michael. still referring to you guys as that. But there's no uh, so I'm the captain. The captain. The captain. Yes, the captain. You ready? Yes. More like the cap taint. <laughs> I'll taint these. <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, meanwhile, 22 pages later, happy 100th episode. This is Trouble T, wishing you, congratulating you on your 100th episode. Uh, hope to see, hope to see 100 more. Speak to you guys soon. I'm, I'm, the, I, first off, I'm happy that Troy left a message, Trouble Troy left a message, but he did it from the beaches of Puerto Rico, so, dude. Ah. <laughs>
How does it feel to be bourgeois in a crumbling society? <laughs> Damn. That's really foul. <laughs> I hope he uh, had some nice rum while he was leaving us that message. Is Puerto Rico only about rum? Yes. Yeah. It's also about baseball as we beat the Dominican Republic. Is there not a Bacardi factory there? There is. But All right, then. Yeah. And, a and, the only reason, and did they not get the Dominican team to visit there several times before the match? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the only the, reason the, they won. Oh, please. Dominican, Dominicans love rum, too. Brugal. No, that's the reason why PR won because the oh, Dominicans were drunk. Oh, here we go with the excuses. <laughs> they were like, "No, the game's next day. <laughs> Just keep up. drinking." <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, obviously, I definitely wanted to give a big thank you to Matt Triano and to Comfort and Adam to giving us some of their time. And if you want to check out what these guys are up to, you could find Matt on Twitter at Matt Triano. So that's um, at M A T T T R I A N O. I know people get crossed up with that. Or you can also find him on Tumblr at matriano.tumblr.com. Matriano, like I said, M-A-Triple-T-R-I-A-N-O. I like that, that triple T. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> triple T. And as for Comfort and Adam, you can check them out on Twitter as well, at Comfort and Adam. Very straightforward. Comfort and Adam, one word. And yes, those are their real names. Yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> and also you can check out their stuff on, um, at comfortandadam.com. Yes. So Very you can nice. get like... It's- from what we've learned, it's a brand new site that they've set up, and it's really awesome. Yes. But guys, don't go anywhere. We're not even close to being done, because Geeks on the Go is next. Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. Hey, comic fans, Shine and Bosch here. If you also happen to be into larger life heroes and tights, a.k.a. professional wrestling, then head on over to 4 for the latest and greatest in the world of wrestling. Bosch and myself take you behind the scenes to past and present with all your top wrestling promotion and news. To listen, visit 4LifePodcast.com, download us on iTunes or Stitcher, and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at 4 Podcast. Because when you listen to your podcast, you listen to it for life. Now back to the cap, Ralph the Tech, and Mike the Finance Guy. Meanwhile, 22 pages later. Geeks on the go. Now for 100 more episodes. <laughs> what did what you did say? You say? <laughs> now for 100 more episodes. You ah. just got to stop doing that or just get the get the tongue out your mouth and like really enunciate. But if I take the tongue I'm sorry, out, I couldn't I resist kissing him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Took me a hundred episodes from to make Mike make me puke. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you know the segment, or at least for a hundred episodes, you should know the segment. I give quick questions; they give quick answers on all things geek, and we rarely make it under a minute. It's the hundredth episode. I don't even think we're gonna try. Nope. I don't even think we're gonna be close. Somebody asked me that recently. They're like, you know, geeks on the go. You guys made it once. Have you guys ever thought of making shorter questions? I'm like, you know, you're talking to the guy who makes the questions, right? Yeah. And they're like, I just think that's so dumb. <laughs> Well, I keep saying, <laughs> oh, maybe God. we'll make it this time. Not with this 14-part question you've got. Shut up. Maybe we'll just have Ralph answer him short again. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. do it now. Why not? I <laughs> oh, can do one-word answers for please everything. Don't, don't. Ready, set, go. As our listeners should know, Ralph loves Nightwing and MFG loves Spider-Man. Do you feel like your favorite characters have been written well recently? Ralph. Eh, I, I guess. I mean, they brought Grayson back and made him Nightwing again, so yeah. Sure. Oh, okay. Mike? Uh, since the end of Secret Wars, nobody at Marvel has been written well, and Peter Parker, International Man of Mystery, is not my Spider-Man. I agree. <laughs> if you lost a bet and the consequence was to have a superhero that you hated tattooed on your chest, who would it be? Mike? Jubilee. Oh, fuck. <laughs> she would even beat uh, Deadpool. <laughs> oh, damn. Ralph? Dazzler. 
What? Oh, my God. You'd be oh, honored. Oh, high five on that one. Honored. <laughs> All right. If you had the power to rename our podcast, what would you call it? Ralph. Ralph and Friends. Mike. Uh, everything is awesome because of MFG. Oh, my or God. Or Mike and the Baggage. <laughs> you had Baggage before you got into the show. <laughs> what has been the biggest change um, in... Um, oh, oh, my goodness. My stuttering got me in the way. Talk about my tongue. <laughs> Yeah, my tongue was in my mouth, though. Your tongue was all up in your teeth, fucking you up. All yeah, right, bitch. what has been the biggest change in your co with your co-hosts since the first podcast, Ralph? Uh, you've gotten fatter, and Mike, uh, he's pretty much the same. Just beautiful. Really? <laughs> Where was that before? <laughs> what an asshole. What an asshole. Mike. Uh, the biggest change in these 100 episodes, I think uh, you guys don't suck as much as you did through episodes 1 through 101. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So this is going to be interesting because this is our 100th episode. What are our shout outs? Shout outs to everyone that's been listening. And that's the show. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> credits, 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 credits. <laughs> oh, shout out to everybody. I mean, everybody that's, that's helped us, that's encouraged us, people that have said they're going to listen and haven't. <laughs> if I had a nickel. So shout out to my sister. <laughs> she's never gonna hear this. Exactly. No, shout out definitely to my niece Erin that I know she's listened here and there. And then the other Erin from our our wonderful friend that's actually been listening and probably won't catch up on this until episode three hundred and four. Uh Ruben that listens, laughs, and tries to kill himself at the gym. Damn Ruben. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. John and Scott from uh Forbidden Planet. Really? Yeah, hopefully, you know, well, John, I think did you ever give him the information about our podcast? If, if if I did give him the information, but John, if you're listening, what the fuck? Get back to me. <laughs> and Jamal, who didn't send us a 100th uh, anniversary uh, message. Well, he gave us a 100th anniversary gift. Or at least I he know. gave me and Ralph. <laughs> I know. I already had my gift. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> now, shout out to everybody. I mean, there's just so many of them. All right. All right. Uh, Ralph? I'd like to shout out, you know, that one person who's helped me get through this. Me? Episodes. Me? Me. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's what I said. Me. Me. Thank you. You're welcome. Me, 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 me. Shut, me. shut up. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, thank you to all the listeners out there. Who, uh, help us keep us going and uh, spread the word. Yeah. Yeah. I, we want to be bigger in Sweden, so Johannes, get on it. <laughs> <laughs> we want to rule Sweden. Yes. <laughs> With an iron fist. <laughs> um, I'm going to take a page out of Mike's book. I came prepared with this shout out. Oh. Very prepared. Ooh. Why, why are you looking at me when you say prepared? Because you're the most unprepared motherfucker on this podcast. That's what I want you to think. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so let me just say this. Um, I can't begin to, to express how proud I am of this podcast and of the men that are with me. It's really a labor of love. We have made changes here and there, but the heart of the show has always remained the same. To have a good time and to dive deeply into comic book culture and movies in a way that makes you feel like you're on our couch joining us as part of the conversation. So my first shout out is to anybody who's listening, whether you just tuned in or you've been listening since episode one or um, somewhere along the line, you kind of caught on. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the support and the opportunity to let our voices be heard. It's very cathartic. I, we appreciate you guys from the bottom of our hearts. Next, um, I want to shout out all of our guests from Joe to Kevin to Jamal and Jazz, Troy, Gigi, JP, Tom, Ivan, Gabe, Steven. It's all of them, right? Wait, how come we didn't get a message from Gigi? Um, you didn't forget. You forgot no, no, I, no we, we talked about it last night, and we we, went, we had gone out last night, and she said, "Oh shoot, I got to do that." And then with us waking up late today, it was just not going to happen. So mm -hmm. she's not invited. She's back. on the top of the podcast anyway. Was we here all the she's time? She's not invited back. <laughs> oh man, that's <laughs> fucked up. And you know she's going to hear that. <laughs> you forgot Riley. 
Yeah, well, well, she's not a real guest. <laughs> she's been on the show. She has been on the show. Um, the, the guests I just mentioned, you guys did us a favor, gave us your time, greased us with your presence. So I wanted to thank you all as well. Shout out and thank you to Steve Francis for the upgrade to our spoiler button, which for the first time since we've had the spoiler button, haven't had to use it. Right, let's you use it right now. Press it. Here we go. Warning. The following segment contains information that may ruin your enjoyment of the media in review. So if you believe this might upset you, piss off, you wanker. It's not a show without that. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not a show without that. Um, I'd also like to thank uh, my wife, Gigi, who throughout this whole podcast process, she has give, she's been my support. At times, she's been my inspiration. At times, she's been my cheerleader, my critic, and she's obviously my love. And um, also the voice of the introduction, which is weird when you hear the first couple episodes and she's not on it. That's weird. Yeah. Um, a million thank yous to you. I love you. And um, I know sometimes I could be a lot of work and being on this podcast takes a lot of patience, especially for you. But I'm glad you've always been in my corner. And last, but certainly not least, I want to thank these two gentlemen sitting next to me. What can I say about both of you that I haven't already said under my goddamn breath? <laughs> that I'm 26 and beautiful. You're full of shit, Mike. <laughs> I'm awesome. Just because two actors who can't count <laughs> said you said you were that young doesn't mean it's true. Mike, I've known you for about 15 years. I was 15. I probably so. I probably. think I was 11 when we met. God, I can do the math faster than you can come up with a conversation. <laughs> you can do it faster than I can say that you're wrong. <laughs> but I've known you for 15 years, and I feel like this venture has made us closer. I'm. You've not only contributed with your knowledge and your comic intellect, but your sense of humor um, has definitely put a stamp on this show. I mean, who, what would the show be without Black Doom or Rick Grimes? Wouldn't probably wouldn't be as fun. It'd be boring. It would be boring. <laughs> and I mean, the app to boot and, and, and just all the different things you've done for the show and just you as a person. I can't thank you enough for joining me uh, well, in that coffee shop. Thank you for being bald. <laughs> I started this, did I start this podcast with hair? No. Yeah, no. No. You actually tried to lie and say yeah. No, yeah. I, said, I said no. no. I, don't, I don't think you ever had hair. You didn't start the 1900s with hair. <laughs> the hair was an illusion, just like yeah, the cake. <laughs> and as for Ralph, I'll say this. From the beginning, I thought you were just a cool guy who loved comic books and ha- happened to be pretty handy with a computer. But now we know could... he's a jerk. <laughs> and, and all that stuff. Correction, I am an asshole. Ah, there we go. <laughs> yes, definitely. But I'll say this. How much about you have I learned during the show and between Six Claws and Ralph Explains It All and, and just you um, giving balance to the show? Because I think if it was just me and Mike, I think it would be a hate fest. Because <laughs> Mike takes me to places and I'm like, oh, <laughs> we can keep going about this all day. And you bring balance to the show. And even though I bust your chops all the time about how, how sometimes you let things go, I really appreciate the fact that you can kind of see the light side of things and that you also take all of our humor with a grain of salt and um, you're also a fantastic guy. What would I do without you? What would we do without you? I appreciate everything you've done. Oh, thank you. And it's a grain of salt with a shout of tequila. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know somewhere Gigi was like, yeah, motherfucker, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those, those are all my shout outs. I just want to say thank you to everybody. And hopefully we have God knows how many hundred more podcasts. So, you know, I well, well, we have a contract for at least a million, so we better get on that. For yeah. at least a million? At least a million. Okay, well, I guess Riley's going to have to take over at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else, anybody want to say before I close out the show? We are good. 100 more to go. All right. And I'm sorry that this was so long, but with the, with the 100th episode, we're allowed to have one big one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Giggity. 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 Giggity.
Thank you. Finally, yeah. finally <laughs> listens to me. All right. Yeah. So for so we'll be back to our regular, hopefully hour long format for one hundred. Next time, I promise we'll be back to an hour long, our new our new hour long format, and we'll actually have uh, Joe with a surprise, which we'll talk about Ooh. next episode. So for MFG Mike the Finance Guy, RT Square Ralph the Tech, this is the Cap saying, keep it geeky, and yeah, that's the end of the episode. You can put some mustard on that. <laughs>